Life Happens Weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. We're talking all things estate um, this afternoon, and it's, it's one of those very important conversations. If you want to be a part of it, if you have any questions, start dialing in now, 011-714-2006, or you can do that on WhatsApp as well, 0614-104-104. So we're going to start with the financial aspects of, of rounding up the estate. And my guest this afternoon is Busasi Wemdleche, who's CEO of BTMT Capital. It's an accounting firm here in Johannesburg. Thank you so much for your time. Miss Mdleja, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me, Pamelo. So let's talk about what the estate is in the context of an individual. Okay, so an estate, um, so it consists of deceased estate mm-hmm. and insolvent estate. So the insolvent one would be the one whereby um, an individual has assets that are less than their liabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, so this person would be sequestrated. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's another one called diseased estate. So the diseased one, it's when a natural person or an individual dies. And then when they die, that person will be called a diseased person. Mm-hmm. And then all their assets on the date of death will be placed in an estate. So therefore, this estate will then be called an estate of a diseased person. So it's commonly known as an so let's for today focus on the deceased estate okay and and talk about the process of rounding up that deceased estate okay so what happens is so say you die um so then the assets in a deceased estate so can you know amongst other things which could include things like immovable property Mm -hmm. which could be land uh buildings uh, and movable properties, which could be vehicles and cash, you know, and all sorts of, of, of assets. All of those assets would be administered by um, an executor. Mm-hmm. So this executor would then, once he's finalized, then he will compute your estate duty calculation. Once he's done with that, um, he will then, um, after paying all the debts, so they will look at all the assets that you had on the date of death. Mm-hmm. They look at all the, the liabilities or the debts that you had and then the net, after they have declared the estate duty, it would be distributed to your beneficiaries. So these are people that you would have appointed before the date of death. Okay. So so you would have had to appoint an executor before your date of birth. Yeah, death, I beg your pardon. <laughs> yes, yes. Do people always do that? In other words, is is there a, you know is there an automatic executor in the event that somebody did not or neglected to appoint one? They should be because I think we're having a legal expert after this, so I I think he would advise us. Mm. But there should be another way of doing this because generally people would have will. So when you draft a will, they will tell you about the executor. But in the event where you don't have one by the time you die should be another way of appointing an executor. But this is a person who makes sure that they are objective in how they look at your estate duty compensation. Mm-hmm. What comprises of things that go in, in you, you spoke about, you know, all your assets, immovable and those that are, um, would assets that are not necessarily in the country of death or where you resided also be included in this estate? You know, you cannot dodge tax permission. <laughs> 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 so even if you wanted to move your, your, 
your assets outside of South Africa. Mm-hmm. So it's quite important, you know, to take note that uh, foreign assets, you know, they do form part of um, of your estate when computing your estate duty liability. So what happens is if you were a resident uh, before you died, um, and then so all your assets, like the worldwide assets, including properties, linked properties in and outside of South Africa, will be subject to estate duty. Um, but what is interesting, though, is South Africa entered into double tax agreements with a lot of, of countries. Mm-hmm. You know, so what it means is, is that um, double tax agreements, they ensure that you know, uh, we are not unfairly taxed on both countries. Mm-hmm. So they would look at South Africa being the country where you were a resident and the country where your foreign assets were, and then, you know, use the lower of the two rates. You know, so it's then, so you don't get taxed unfairly at the end. However, irrespective of where your assets are, they will definitely form part of your estate. For, for, for people who hold dual citizenships, where would this estate then reside? So now um, there is something, you know, in South Africa where when, when you get text, there is something called resident basis mm-hmm. and source basis. Mm-hmm. So resident basis is if you are a, a South African, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. you get text on worldwide income. It doesn't matter where you have generated this income mm. as long as you're a South African resident. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, so now, if also this income has been generated in a country where we have this double tax agreement, they would not tax you unfairly. Then there's something called uh, being taxed on a source basis. What that means then is even if you are not a South African, but if your income has been generated in South Africa, mm-hmm. or while you were in South Africa, then you will be taxed in South Africa. So then during that dual citizenship, they will need to look at the location of the assets and how those assets were earned. And in terms of tax rebates, <laughs> does the deceased actually get to benefit from tax rebates? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why then you would need to have um, the tax advisor, you know, when, when these things are completed. But obviously, you cannot appoint a tax advisor once you die. That's so, it. <laughs> so you must just make sure that the tax um, uh, advisor that you have now, they are aware of these things in the event. They would need to work with the executor to compute your, your estate duty. But in terms of rebates, how it works is, so they look at your total assets, like I said, and then um, and look at your total liabilities, and then they take the net. And the government then would give you a rebate of up to 3.5 million rand. Mm-hmm. So if we were maybe to put numbers into this as an example, so let's say, for example, on the day you die, you had assets that were worth 10 million rand, right? And then you had liabilities of about 6 million rand. So they will take um, liabilities, subtract from the assets, and you'll be left with net assets of 4 million rand. Mm. And that from, out of that 4 million, 3.5 million rents would be a rebate, meaning it won't be subject to, um, to estate duty. Therefore, you will only be taxed on the remaining amount, which is 500,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the estate duty rate is, is 20% if your net asset value is less than 30 million rents. And then if it exceeds 30 million rents, then it's 25%. Now you are seriously super wealthy. Mm. <laughs> so that's why the rate goes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and the, the, what you would be owing 
um, to the taxman would also be part of the estate? That's a good question, actually. So there is no way in which you could sort of avoid tax. Um, I thought you were going to say, yeah. I told you this before. <laughs> you are not going to avoid tax. <laughs> I can see you're hoping for me to say, yeah. But what they do is, you know, when they when they calculate, because we said it's asset-less liabilities, mm-hmm. so liabilities will also include the tax debt that you had. Mm-hmm. However, if you look at the calculation, as much as it would be part of the liabilities, but essentially, that is a reduction on your net asset. Sure. You know, so what it means then, you have to pay SARS before everything else is settled. Okay. And I must say that um, SARS has a first claim to what it's being owed to it wow. when the estate juice is computed. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Not your children, not your wife, not your but SARS, SARS. But SARS. But SARS. The okay. big brother that we love to have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about um, the pension. D- does it also form part of the estate? Uh, no, no, no. So the pension, so all the money is like retirement money and like life annuities. They don't form part of the estate. Oh. The reason being, um, so the capital uh, would already be, would be when you die, it would be distributed to beneficiaries that you've already nominated before you die. Okay, let's just maybe be clear on that category. You said your pension, for instance, your... your retirement funds. Retirement funds. Yes. They yes. will not form part of. They will not, yeah, they will not form part. Isn't of that interesting? Estate. Even if your <sighs> estate is is owing other other assets, for instance, maybe a house or a car, yes. you don't have to pay those first before you can cash in on your retirement um, your retirement funds. No. So if if your assets are owing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so remember how we do the computation. We take all the assets mm-hmm. you owned. Mm-hmm. So we're talking of things like like cars, like this example you've made mm-hmm. now. But let's say the car was financed, yes. right? So then there is a liability on yes. the car. Yes. So that liability will have to be deducted on the market value of the car. Sure. You know, and then you will be taxed on the net assets. So the liabilities will to be settled. You know, uh, but. What, what, when we say these uh, money assets like retirement money do not form part of the estate, so they will not be included mm-hmm. in, in those total assets that should be used when we compute the estate duty. C- can we talk about practicalities? Because it, it takes a while to round up the estate, right? So from the date of death to when all of this is completed. Let's talk about that interim period. So assets, for instance, that we're still uh, owing, whether it's a, a car, whether it's a house, what what becomes of those assets at that point in time in the interim? Let's talk about a car for argument's sake. That was maybe in your garage or whatever the case may be, it was owing. So it was you were paying for it or towards it every single month. You suddenly die your assets um, are still owing, you no longer have that cash flow. What happens there? I think what's important is, firstly, while you are still alive, you inform, say you are married or you have parents or you have your loved ones, you inform them of your your investments or your, your assets or, or, or liabilities, whatever that you have, you know, you make them aware of that. Right. Um, even if you don't go to town, as in explaining explicitly what is invested where, so that in the event you die, they know where to go. 
because it's important then that they inform all the relevant parties, you know, um, the, the financiers and SARS. Then that would speed up the process, you know, because let's say now um, not all parties are informed and then you start computing, you appoint the executor, you start calculating the estate duty, then later on you learn that there was a liability that you were not aware of. That would definitely delay the process, you know. So if you cannot inform them while you are still alive, make sure that you explicitly explain everything in your will so that people know exactly where to go, you know. And another important thing is now, say you die and you had, um, you were married, right? If you were married, uh, the good thing is your surviving spouse, because now your assets um, would be uh, allowed as a deduction to to the surviving spouse, right? And then the surviving spouse would also have part of your rebate, meaning the first dying spouse will then roll over their rebate to the surviving spouse. So remember we said there's a rebate of 3.5 million that doesn't get taxed. Mm-hmm. So if you die first and you leave your spouse, that 3.5 million will roll over to the surviving spouse. So what it means is when the surviving one eventually dies, they now have a rebate of 3.5 times 2, which is 7 million. So therefore, like you'll find that there are other people who are married but they don't have proof, like for example, um, uh, who are not married in court, you know, these other customary mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. Now you lose out on these other kind of benefits because you do not have enough documentation. Mm-hmm. Remember now you still need to, have, you still need to prove mm-hmm. that you were married to this person. Mm-hmm. So those are all the things that it sort of delay the process. Mm-hmm. So make sure that all your admin is in order at all times. I know that's all the time we have for this afternoon. I'm sure we'll get uh, more time another time um, to ask more questions. Busisiwe Mdleche is CEO of BTMT Capital. It's an accounting firm here in Johannesburg. And as we continue the conversation, we're going to be looking at the legal aspect of, of rounding up a deceased estate. Hi, Alsi. Bono from Eastern Cape. Can I be able to appoint a, a uh, firm? A, um, a, 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 an attorney's firm as, as an executor, can I appoint an, an attorney's firm to keep my will instead of uh, doing it with individuals? Because people sometimes, ugh, sometimes they do not uh, live up to uh, what, what you expect of them. Can I appoint a firm rather? All right, we continue our conversation and we bring in Ntabiseng Dubazana, who's an attorney at Dubazana Attorneys, on the line with us this afternoon. Ntabiseng, thanks for your time. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pamela, and your listener. So we to- we're discussing deceased estate this afternoon, mm. and, and we touched a little bit on, on appointment of an executor earlier on. And this is, this yeah. I suppose this is where you come in. How does one go about appointing an executor? Um, well, you would leave that in your will. So if you make a will, you then appoint that I want so-and-so to be the executor of, of my of my estate upon my death. So um, it's, it's very important for you to choose the person that you want to handle your estate. Like the, the voice that you just played, a lot of people are not trustworthy in terms of the assets of the deceased. So if you know that Ntabi Singh will be in will be the one proper-headed, level-headed person to handle your estate, then appoint them. Because if you fail to do so, then any family member upon your your death in terms of intersecession can then be appointed as an executor of your estate or the mass of the high court can be the executor and they may 
not do it according to the wishes that you would have wanted it to be when you were still alive. Tabi saying in the event that you did not stipulate that in a will or maybe you didn't have a will, the, 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 the master of the court, how did they come up to the decision of, of appointing an executor? What's, what's the due process and what is likely to be the case? So if you die interstate, um, which is when you don't have the will, mm-hmm. then the, the estate is governed by interstate succession, right? Mm-hmm. And then we are now also looking at various other acts because we now have to determine a lot of things uh, pertaining to your death. So we will be looking at the Administration of Estates Act. That will be one of the first things we need to look at, mm-hmm. how to administer your estate depending on how much the estate is worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's things um, such as the recognition of customary marriages. If you were married customarily, we have to look at um, things such as the, the, the what is this, the Civil Union Act. If you were uh, you know married civilly or if you in the same sex partnership there's there's a lot that has to go into um, looking at, at at who will then be appointed as executor but usually what happens the person who's declaring the death mm-hmm. of the deceased mm-hmm. and has all the relevant documentation that is requested by the master usually ends up being appointed as the executor of the estate in, in what instance would there be contestation of the appointed executor well, in that perhaps they're not um, related to the, de- to the deceased, they were not nominated, um, you know, the, it was fraudulent the way they filled in the papers, um, the person, uh, you know, it would be what relation, it would be fraud in terms of filling in the papers, and it would be, uh, what is the, 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 third, the third thing? Why is it escaping my mind? Let's come, those, we'll come back to it. We'll yes. come back to it. I, I believe that, you know, the, it gets quite complicated sometimes. In yes. the event that sometimes there will be a will where mm. we did not know that it existed and things proceeded without the will yes. and then subsequent to things being round up, be found. What then happens there? I'm actually dealing with the case exactly like that. So what happened is that the deceased, um, well, the, the deceased died, obviously, and then the eldest um, uh, descendant did the applications in order to, to, to round up the estate. So what happened is that what they didn't do is check with the banks that they work with. I like what your first um, uh, uh, person that was online for the finance lady said, that you need to go, you need to leave people who are still alive with information mm-hmm. so they know where to go and what to look for. So now this person died and did not inform anybody about anything. So when the attorneys that had the matter beforehand when now there were issues, now we then took over with another set of attorneys with two different attorneys for two different descendants. So now um, it's a matter of F&B is now saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to call you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was such an oh honest mistake. Yeah. It was such an honest mistake. Go ahead. <laughs> so the, the, the bank that he, he banked with has now mentioned, but no, we have a will, a living will of the deceased. So we don't understand how you're wounding up the estate without informing us because we are the holder of the will. So you need to, as, 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 as the, 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 the descendants or the people left behind of the deceased, if there's their banks and old mutual, anything, attorneys that you know that they, this person could have, 
been in contact with, make contact with them, find out if there's any documentation that is left with them. So when you actually do start the process of rounding up the estate, that you're doing it in the correct forum, whether it's going to be interstate succession or it's going to be in accordance with the will. Because now you're going to be backtracking and starting all over again because now the, the, the way it was rounded up is now incorrect. Listen, it's it's very fascinating and um, I see that we've got a lot of voice notes. What we're going to do is to take a quick break and yeah. um, and go to the headlines and then see if we can come back to you. Um, so st- just stand, um, you know, hang 10 for us if you don't mind. Okay. Dubazana is an attorney at Dubazana Attorneys. Um, there is something else going on at the moment, so we'll try and see if we'll connect to to that. So we we're still trying to toss up and and seeing what whether you know we can connect to um, to Midrand in Gauteng here in in South Africa, where we have another scuffle at the Pan African uh, Union Parliament, and uh, it's looking quite quite hectic at the moment. So we're trying to see if we can get um, our lines connected there, and if we can, we'll take you there and maybe cut short this conversation and then get back to it at another time so well I'll, I'll promise you we'll be doing our best to try and see if we can bring that to you let me go first to Leander Mamwe for the very latest in headlines at 2 30.